Welcome back to the Connected Aircraft Podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III, and on today's episode, we'll be talking to Sentient Jet. But first, if you would like to view the latest Connected Aviation Intelligence live webcast that we hosted Thursday, August 5th, focusing on digital transformation occurring within the global commercial air cargo industry, check out our website, gcasummit.com slash aviation-intelligence, where you can register to watch the free webcast on demand. We'll also include a link to the on-demand webcast in our podcast notes. So on today's podcast, I recently had the chance to have a discussion with Sentient Jet CEO Andrew Collins. As many of you may or may not know, Sentient Jet is the company that pioneered the concept of the jet card for private charter jet travel. Andrew discussed the company's growth throughout the pandemic, trends that they are currently witnessing within the private aviation market, and their recent expansion from the U.S. to London. And we also discuss some of his thoughts about in-flight Wi-Fi connectivity and in-flight entertainment as well. So let's get into our discussion with Sentient Jet CEO, Andrew Collins. First, for those in our audience who may not be familiar with Sentient Jet, can you give us an introduction to who Sentient Jet is and your role in some of your day-to-day activities with the organization? Sure. So Sentient Jet uh, is the global leader in uh, the jet card model of private aviation flying. A jet card is um, something where 25 hours of flight time are sold uh, to a, a card owner Um, And within 24 hours advance notice, we can have an aircraft anywhere in the 48 contiguous United States available for you. Uh, We have uh, 150 person organization that uh, round the clock makes sure that jets uh, are available for our clients uh, all over the U.S. and uh, most recently internationally as well. Uh, I am the president and chief executive officer. I've held that role for about eight years. And uh, uh, I have a management team and a group of um, folks that uh, are, are looking at everything from uh, how we position our brand to how we service uh, to our fundamental logistics and supply chain for jets and aircraft. And uh, yeah, that's that's sentient for you in a, in a, in a quick nutshell. And you've been in that position for eight years, you mentioned. How did you first become involved uh, in the uh, you know, private aviation business? So it's funny, uh, you meet a lot of folks in this space that are wonderful, that have had a, you know, grew up with a passion, uh, either because it's a family business or because they truly took to aviation and, and, and really love it. I kind of came in a different way and learned to love aviation. Uh, I had been in digital technology and then uh, I was coming out of business school in the Boston area looking for a consumer facing product management role and was introduced to Sentient, which at the time was much smaller, Uh, but I was fascinated with it. It was a case study in taking uh, what was a fragmented sort of landscape of operators and rolling it into more of a sophisticated product set. Uh, and allowing for, you know, more of a consumer facing, logical or sensible product um, for, you know, a a consumer that did not want to buy into a private jet 
or buy a fraction of a private jet, but was simply interested in a flexible program that allowed you to purchase time. I thought the model was really, you know, something incredible and took a chance, uh, truthfully had uh, an offer to go into another technology company that I was going to pursue, but uh, fell in love with aviation then and fell in love with the various business models and people that are connected to aviation. Interesting. And actually, uh, you know, what you mentioned kind of takes me to my, my next question. Uh, just to, 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 again, give the audience a really uh, basic understanding um, in private aviation and, you know, just charter uh, jet aviation. There's so many different business models and uh, just, you know, ways that a, a end user passenger or owner can get access to an aircraft for the sentient jet card. You know, how does that jet card work, you know, for, for a new user coming into your program? How, how does that business model work? Um, it's really straightforward and we're very transparent. So um, it might start with you visiting uh, our website, sentient.com, S-E-N-T-I-N-T.com, where you might learn about the program product and pricing. But it's really basic. You purchase um, 25 hours. And you then have uh, an, a client management team that you're assigned to. Uh, you also have something called an account director who is uh, your champion internally uh, for your jet card. But basically, you uh, once we learn uh, a bit about you, your history, um, and some personal information that, that, that we'll need uh, to make sure that that we treat this, you know, in both a utility fashion and a hospitality fashion, where we're we're trying to make sure we understand, you know, what are the purposes of your trips, et cetera. It's very basic. It's, you know, if you give us the 24 hours advance notice, uh, we'll 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 get you the right size jet, whether it's a light size jet, a mid size jet, a super mid, um, or a large cabin. And the difference uh, of those aircraft types are fundamentally passenger count and uh, range and how far they can go. And so you determine with your client management team uh, what's the appropriate size aircraft. And then you make uh, reservations for your local airport or your point of origin, wherever you might be. Um, and you set the itinerary. And then you fly that itinerary. We have 24-7 client management who uh, will be in touch with you throughout the journey. And then following that, after your journey is done, your flight is simply debited from your jet card. Uh, so it doesn't, it works exactly the same way that say perhaps a more consumer facing model like a Starbucks card might work. Same thing. All you're doing is making a reservation, taking a flight, and then it's debited and we move on from there. And that's that's the basic premise. And that, that may sound a little bit oversimplified, but behind it is a lot of complexity. Uh, private aviation is regulated by the government and um, there are all sorts of um, material impacts to you know, the economics of supply and, and how you service someone and what a treatment plan looks like. And, you know, what you've you know, promised to a consumer, all of that comes into play. But at the end of the day, we try to make sure that people understand you're getting on the right aircraft each and every time for appropriate for your mission. And all the while you have a certification layer or a safety layer that Sension has invested millions of dollars into making sure that 
that the aircraft and the operator that you're working with um, are, are the right fit for our program and for you. And um, just a follow-up question, and especially, you know, you mentioned that introduction, your uh, kind of digital business background. Um, the digital just interface in, in the way that you engage with uh, not only new customers, but existing ones. Um, can you just talk about how that has changed, even within uh, just the eight years that you've been with Sentient Jet, uh, you know, since everybody does have a mobile phone and, and kind of uh, completes all kinds of business applications on their mobile phone. Um, how has your, you know, mobile app grown and, and transformed uh, over your eight years? And just again, just the way you kind of digitally engage with um, new customers. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it's a great question, and I would say the way that it's the the, the digital sphere has, you know, sort of evolved and changed in, in the industry, but also in in you know, Sentience world. So when I joined, um, I did a lot of work with, you know, our web technologies um, being involved in product. And at the time, it was really more about utilizing technology for two things. Either the front-facing consumer side was really about acquiring customers, uh, so utilizing the web and search engine marketing and things like that. Or internally, the technology, mostly proprietary, was about um, moving aircraft around the country and optimizing schedules and things like that, um, as well as servicing our client base from a, a, a customer relationship management uh, platform standpoint. What's evolved is um, really looking at the customer journey end to end. And the reality is what we've always tried to do as a company is, you know, simplify how you access a private jet and remove as much friction from that process as you can. And so uh, about four years ago, and we were, we were a little later than some, uh, but by design, we spent a long time, our, our, our company um, is positioned on a statement called a more thoughtful way to fly. And you know, our name sentient is you know, being conscious and, and the idea of being thoughtful Right. So we really spent time thinking through from a digital and a technology standpoint, you know, what does our client base want, number one, but also who are they? And so one of the things that a lot of folks do when they take a, a project like a consumer facing technology is they look at it from a technology stake standpoint, not necessarily from, you know, what's the business need or what's the true end user going to want. Um, they, they kind of take a gee whiz approach to it. In our case, we knew that the mobile uh, application that we wanted to build was, you know, really 100% dedicated to flight bookings, right? It was not something meant to do a lot of ancillary services, um, but, you know, there are some, some things that are important, you know, checking your balance of your account or um, looking at, you know, how many hours you used on the, your last flight or, or things like that. But in general, front and center is a very simplified user experience to booking a flight. And so this year we will probably see pushing close to $100 million um, in digital flight transactions. I would argue that's probably one of the bigger um, flight transaction platforms uh, in the industry right now. And that was really built up quietly over time by just trying to cater to our client base 
we take in, you know, phone reservations, we take in email reservations, um, but to, to really have somebody be able to use their phone and book a flight, have that go right to our flight calendar, it actually skips a couple people in the process and goes right to the calendar. It creates not only um, you know, ease of use for the consumer, but it also creates operational efficiency for us. So it, it's been really interesting and engaging. And I would just say that during the pandemic, and I think McKinsey was the one that said it, the first 10 weeks of the pandemic saw 10 years of consumer technology adoption. You had people that were forced to really do a lot of mobile-like transactions for everything from uh, supermarket, you know, deliveries to food or, or um, you know, prepared food or, or, or things like that. And I, I think that we saw that impact as well, and we were in a really good position with an optimized, you know, um, mobile application that just it, it, the, the, the consumer gets it, they use it, they transact on it, and they're loyal to it. And that was our end goal. And, and that's where we are right now. And ultimately, I believe Sentient will be very much almost a technology company that's focused on aviation. Interesting. And, you know, speaking of the pandemic, um, can you give us a sense over the last year, what type of growth the Jet Card program experienced during the pandemic, uh, because you know there's plenty of media coverage about how much growth private aviation overall has has seen, but just the, the jet card itself, uh, you know, any interesting stats on that? Are you seeing new first-time private aviation users come into the jet card program? So uh, we we did. Um, I think we saw about a forty percent rise overall, thirty to forty percent rise in in total sales last year. Um, a lot driven by first-time users to our company. Um, what I can tell you is, is twofold. The first is, um, I think prior to the pandemic, it was estimated by some, some data experts that of the addressable market, um, you know, there's probably 2 million people that are out there. And you know, the private aviation market might have been penetrating 10%. Um, I would say during the pandemic, as people started to look for more control, uh, look to remove their exposure points, avoid crowds, et cetera, you saw that number grow so that the addressable market was seeing a deeper penetration. And hence, that was driving a lot of growth across the industry and the sector. Um, so, you know, I would receive phone calls, for example, from people that would Say I, you know, uh, I know one of your board members, or, or you know, a friend of mine uh, happened to know somebody that was interested in flying privately, and they'd say ultimately that, you know, they were concerned about flying uh, the traditional ways that they had, and that, you know, a member of their family was immunocompromised, and they'd like to look into, you know, private aviation and how does it work. That might have been a person that prior to the pandemic might not have considered private aviation because either they didn't see themselves that way, or you know perhaps they they thought about you know what's the impact you know uh, on the climate or or whatever else was sort of in their decision tree. But we definitely saw new people come on board. Um, we're seeing it now play out where there's you know this summer is uh, seeing you know I think they said that the overall part 135, which is the charter market in July was up 30 percent uh, um, and, and August looks to be at the same or bigger. 
So a lot of the industry right now, if not everybody, is dealing with, um, you know, sort of that post-vaccinated world uh, impact. So it, it really has pulled in new flyers and it's pulled in um, folks that, you know, are com already committed to private aviation to really double down. So my, my guess is that we will see a landscape of um, fairly robust volume and demand um, for at least, you know, the go forward next six to 12 months, uh, if not beyond. Right. And one, you know, one of the uh, uh, popular summer destinations for a lot of American uh, private jet travelers is always uh, Europe, uh, you know, London or, or areas of France. And in June, uh, Sentient Gent actually expanded internationally with a new transatlantic program. Uh, can you just tell us, you know, what drove that expansion, uh, considering, you know, what, what you mentioned in the introduction about the, your focus on the U.S., uh, but what drove that decision to expand to Europe? Um, listening to the customer, you know, primarily, um, we have 8,000 cardholders and, um, you know, that that really is a group of folks that um, have other needs beyond what we service. And that was one request that we had seen rise. Uh, we are, we're part of a, a consortium with a parent company called OneSky. And OneSky um, has investments in Europe uh, in aviation. So our sister company, FlexJet, for instance, has a big presence in Europe. Um, we have, Sentient has an office now in London, uh, in the London area. And so uh, it was really about, you know, the idea that now that we have become the leader in cards in the United States, um, and then we can, we can leverage our experience, our technology, our knowledge of, you know, optimization and revenue management, uh, we can bring aircraft one way from uh, the United States over to the EU and back, right? Because we've got people on both sides, technology on both sides, and we have a captive set of channels uh, in which to be able to sell, um, you know, any return legs. And uh, it, it became evident that we could build a program and product around it. Um, and we held back until we really felt borders were gonna open up. Um, you know, the UK just for instance, opened up on Monday to travelers from the US uh, that could prove they were vaccinated and they wouldn't have to quarantine. But as countries became green and removed from the amber or red list, uh, we knew that our base of customers, be it either personal or business, would have a need uh, to be either in you know, the financial centers of London or reconnect with family that they'd been missing uh, during the pandemic and could get back to various countries so that was really the driver. It was born out of customer requests, and then we had to architect a program to be able to do it. Uh, and you know, we've really put an emphasis on the larger size aircraft in our product iterations in the last uh, year. So, so it, it was a natural fit, and and it was nice to launch it. We're only seeing now, you know, traction with it, but I suspect that it's going to be a very popular feature over the next few years. Right. And, you know, so also want to ask you about the uh, aircraft that Sentient Jet works with that, uh, you know, you provide these flights for your uh, Sentient Jet card holders. Um, 
earlier this year, Sentient Jet started to um, basically introduce the idea of uh, ensuring every flight is carbon or emissions neutral. Uh, and that has been a big uh, trend across the industry at a, especially a regulatory level in Europe. Um, what what uh, decision, you know, drove this to, to introduce this at uh, Sentient Jets? And how are you ensuring that on every flight, um, this option is available? So it's a great question. Um, we also uh, are an observance of and are participating in um, the environmental concerns in Europe with the companies that we have there. Uh, and in the United States, what we felt like is like anything we do. And again, if you go back to our statement about being a more thoughtful way to fly, we observed how current uh, environmental impact was being addressed in the private aviation cycle. And uh, despite, you know, a relatively small footprint um, in terms of overall aviation and, and what it what it does to the climate, we felt like the the type of individuals in our card base uh, really did want uh, an ability to offset as much as they could. What you found and what you'll still find when you kind of look around is most people offer carbon offsetting, right? They they either have a program they're associated with uh, or they refer you to a firm that can help you with carbon offsetting. Uh, that is still a you know a world that is being sorted out. Um, we felt like we needed to go beyond carbon offsets because basic carbon offsetting only really approaches one third of the emissions that are released in the aviation uh, uh, flights. And so two thirds, you know, other emissions come from water vapors aerosols, nitrous oxide, and things like that. And so what we decided was, um, and, and again, kind of building up to it and designing it, we wanted to approach um, offsetting the flight at an emissions neutral level and really tackling, you know, the, the basic, you know, carbon footprint, but the, the, you know, emissions beyond that. So we actually offset not 100% of the flight, but 300% of the flight. And the way we ensure it is, we're partnered with a company that uh, is called 4Air. And 300% uh, of offsetting equates based you know, on how long you fly and what size you fly and what your ultimate um, uh, footprint is. It'll, it, it's a calculation. That calculation is then financially covered by Sentient. Uh, so all of our flyers have been flying 300% offset flights since January 1st, and it has not seen an economic impact to them. Uh, we, we figured out how to build it into our budgeting, and we figured out how to offset it accordingly. Um, and it's the start of the way we look at sustainability. So we think it's thoughtful. We think it's different. Uh, we didn't want people that just opt in or, or kind of think about it you know, as they were flying, we just wanted it to be, you know, persistent uh, in our product set and our program set. And so uh, we spent the time working with 4Air to design it uh, and then ultimately instituted it. And um, the way that you uh, understand the impact of it is uh, the offsets then go to fund various renewable energy, forestry, um, air water cultivation programs that that 4Air has done the due diligence on. And, and my comment up front about 
carbon offsetting being a, a little bit of an area that needs to be sorted out is um, there's various ways that one can offset. Some of them are very obvious and with trusted partners, and some of them are not so obvious. And I don't know that the information exists as to the you know, appropriate nature of the partner. Uh, in our case, we really wanted to fund well-known uh, certified projects and so hence worked with 4Air. So we, we're excited about it. We're excited about our continuing work in the sustainability area for sure. Yeah, it is an interesting approach to sustainability. Um, and another um, aircraft-related question, uh, one of the main topics we like to focus on this podcast is um, the use of new digital aircraft technologies, uh, especially in-flight internet or uh, in-flight uh, passenger experience technologies. Um, one of the things that I noticed on uh, the Sentient Jet website is that uh, you, you um, it's emphasized, you know, Wi-Fi equipped aircraft based on the uh, program that, that you buy into. Uh, and I wanted to ask you about that. Um, is that an important feature that you see requested often? And has that become almost like a must have for any uh, business jet flight that Sentient Jet helps to book? It's a great question, Woodrow. It's, it's one that for many years has, you know, been pushing its way through. Um, we all know that if we go on a commercial flight, we can simply sit in our seat and access something like GoGo uh, wireless for a fee or for free, depending on the airline you're flying. So it's become mainstream to the consumer. And, and that's based on the fact that um, there's ways to think about that equipment relative to the, the, um, you know, the, the aircraft that's being used commercially. At a private jet level, you don't have as many um, you know, sort of opportunities to do those installs and they're more expensive. And so as you look at like large cabin aircraft, super mid aircraft, or even midsize aircraft, it, it rel it's been relatively um, straightforward that you'd seen the adoption curve happen to drive Wi-Fi enablement into those aircraft. And it's been expected by the consumers. So we've really seen the popularity of that rise and, and folks want the, that feature and, you know, to some extent expect it just based on the, the comparison to say something like commercial. Um, at the light jet uh, component, it's a little more difficult in that if you're a light jet owner, I mean, when you do an install for equipment for Wi-Fi right now, you actually have to take part of your aircraft and pull it apart. And then you also have to invest you know, 35, 50, 60, $70,000 um, to some extent, a hundred, depending on who you're working with to get Wi-Fi into the aircraft. So the adoption there has been a little slower. Uh, and so, you know, that's why we were uh, looking at guaranteeing at a, at a program or product level um, to, to make it easy on listeners. Sentient's main supply source, the, the place we get jets, is the part 135 market and we screen heavily and certify the top third of operators in the market and their aircraft. And that's the pool we typically draw from. Um, we have some core fleet access from our parent company, but mostly we're dealing with uh, independent operators out there that, that have gone through the rigor of, of working with us to build out what we call our certified network. And most are, you know, working with their owners to get Wi-Fi persistency in the aircraft. Some have not gotten there yet. So 
in many cases for a good portion of our flying, you'll always have Wi-Fi, uh, but in some instances you may not. Uh, but I'd imagine that that gets ameliorated kind of in the next, you know, 12 to 24 months at the, at the lighter side because of technology innovation and such. But it is very popular. You can imagine that pre-pandemic, we were 60% corporate flying, 40% personal. That's changed during the pandemic. But what hasn't changed is both those consumer segments have an expectation of staying persistently connected. And when we're a company espousing all the virtues of a, a mobile application, right, that does require Wi-Fi to connect, um, we want to make sure that, that we're putting that in front of our consumers as much as possible. And it's been very popular. Right. Yeah, it certainly would be an interesting uh, topic to watch the light jet adoption of Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. um, and so for the remaining of, of 2021 or over the next year or so, are there any interesting projects or initiatives? You know, the, the sustainability one you mentioned was interesting. Uh, any other projects or initiatives you're focusing on for the remainder of the year? I think for the remainder of the year, uh, you know, we, we continue to look at what our customer uh, really is looking for. I, I think that you'll see us emphasize, you know, more of our super mid and large cabin offerings uh, because they tend to be, um, that tends to be an area right now that, that folks, you know, they fit the mission for what a lot of folks want to do. Um, but mostly what we're about uh, for, for, you know, the remainder of this year and beyond is we're really ramping, you know, our scale and figuring out how to make sure that, you know, what, be it progressive technology, be it, you know, appropriate, you know, additions of team members, or be it, you know, the incremental additions of certified aircraft, we're really just looking to make sure that as, you know, our client interest and demand and, and base grows, that we're aligning how we're servicing them because we really just want to live up to the constant consumer promise that we make and, and be a more thoughtful way to fly. Um, the innovations or the incremental things that you've seen us introduce this year, be it sustainability, you know, be it uh, uh, kind of revealing what our mobile application is doing transaction-wise, or be it the new transatlantic pricing or some of the fixed pricing rates, you know, globally, you know, those are going to be a little bit more headline grabbing, I guess, when you're thinking about our company. But um, there's a number of things that we want to just accomplish and approach on behalf of our base that, that, that makes a lot of sense. But I suspect we'll have a little bit more on the product front before the end of the year. Um, I suspect that, you know, we'll be making investments into the marketplace in various ways. So um, I, 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 it will be very active and uh, I'm looking forward to kind of what the back half looks like, especially as we approach the peak periods of December, January, and February. Right. Yeah, certainly will be interesting to continue to watch how, uh, you know, trends in private aviation evolve for the year. Uh, well, Andrew Collins, president and CEO of Sentient Jet, uh, certainly learned a lot in this conversation. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. It's been great to have uh, uh, to, to be on it, and uh, I appreciate you having us. Thanks so much, Woodrow. So that brings us to the end of this episode. As always, please subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. <laughs>